Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast that dissects the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, one minute at a time, with special guests Kestra and Andrew Dorowski. Thank you for joining us for Minute 43 of the movie. I am Chris Blair, and I am here with Annie McMullen. Hello, hello. And we are joined this week, returning guests from the Disney Animation Minutes Essential podcast. Of course, I'm talking about your favorites, Andrew and Kester Dorowski. What an introduction. Wow, I feel <laughs> special. <laughs> you are yeah. special. You, you are special. Uh, you are the first guest who get to re-record a minute with us. Uh, this is the second time we're trying to record Minute 43 because I did not successfully hit the record button the first time. You know, you could have you could have chalked that up to technical, technical difficulties, <laughs> but you really well, own that one. Listen, listen, if we're about one thing here at Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, it's integrity. Okay? It's integrity <laughs> and honesty with our audience. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure someone out there appreciates the honesty. Yeah, transparency. <laughs> yeah. And, right. you know, congratulations to you guys for being uh, being part of the first Cursed Minute, you know? Because <laughs> as we were getting set for this one, we were also having technical difficulties. <laughs> right. This is, this is a blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Minute 43, that's a prime number. So maybe that's, that's where the bad luck stems from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And maybe I uh, I didn't hit record because that would be the funny option. And I'm just... <laughs> uh, so, Andrew and Kestra, what have you been up to? Uh, uh, since, since recording the rest of this week. Um, well, we just got back from, from a little family vacation. We went to some it national parks and saw some musical theater. And it was fantastic. And um, I don't know if when we recorded the previous time... Uh, we announced it, but um, I'm pregnant with our third, so that's been taking up some time because mm-hmm. I get tired in the evenings <laughs> and fall asleep on the couch. But usually, when Kestra's pregnant, she doesn't vomit during podcasts. Usually, it's only happened a couple times. So so far, so good. Yes. <laughs> if there was one minute that was going to do it, it's the cursed. It's minute. The cursed minute. <laughs> minute forty three, and I am feeling nauseous right now. So. Uh... <laughs> Hopefully that does not. We'll try to we'll try to hide it. We won't put that live on the air. Well, I mean, we do have a lot of kind of sickening characters this week. Um, we get a lot of the weasels. Yeah, these are, uh, these are like characters. Characters. These aren't. Are these from something, or are they just created for this? They're not like cameos, like like Bugs and Mickey. They're kind of from um, the the wind in the willows, the Mister Toad and oh um, yeah, yeah. Ichabod thing. The, they are, more, but like yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of. Yeah, there's 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 weasels who are vaguely like them. They don't have these defined personality types, um, but they're essentially the, the the same weasel, same sort of attitude and mm-hmm. style that these weasels have. Right. So, because like the wind in the willows, like Mister Toad. That is a, a pretty straightforward. It's not like they cast it into the 1920s <laughs> so they could have gangster weasels, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just from that time period. Yeah. Gotcha. 
so yeah so these are interesting characters and an interesting mix of like real world and cartoon stuff like that's a real gun in a cartoon hand but then one of them has like a cartoon bat yeah and i would believe that they were caricatures of of some of someone if if someone was like yeah this this is a caricature just Mm -hmm. because they are so out there oh i yeah i mean i think that they're very like pretty obviously you know film noir gangsters yeah Mm -hmm. but like tunified you know um and this minute it it definitely like what you were saying andrew it's like chocked full of the best of the like cartoon prop interactions because there's so many tunes Mm -hmm. in this scene who are all interacting with the environment and it's got just like a ton of special um detail and and practical effects it's it's pretty cool minute yeah yeah It, it always uh blows my mind to see um the the animation working with live action in this way where they they're holding a physical actual Mm -hmm. real life object and not another cartoon object yeah there's so many tricks that they must have gone through to like pull this together especially for for the time it's made the movie Mm -hmm. was made yeah and so like I, i know like probably some of it is like fishing wire and so it's just like you know invisible man kind of tricks Mm -hmm. but a lot of it has got to be more complicated than that like it's pressed like the gun is being pressed into bob hoskins face like with force and so that looks really realistic like they splash water splash water the soap they have actual they they do real world bubbles coming out of his mouth with the soap instead of cartoon bubbles which like that's a that's a serious choice to make yeah um some of it's easy because it's just like behind behind the wall you can see papers flying up and so that one seems easy, but like if someone gets like knocked into the blinds and presses the blinds, I'm like, how'd you do that? That, that one always, I'm, I have no, my brain can't wrap <laughs> like itself around how that might have been done. Like I need to see the, the behind the scenes video of how they made this scene specifically. Mm-hmm. Oh, that definitely exists, and they're they're definitely this information is definitely out there. And um, because I'm a professional, I I've <laughs> never seen it and haven't done that research at all. So I can't answer I can't answer <laughs> for you at all how any of it's done. I think I saw but, one thing where there was like maybe a stick holding something up, like a mm-hmm. puppet kind of a thing. But but that's that's the extent of my expertise. Chris is really Chris is really the expert. <laughs> Well, my, my expertise extends to me watching a special on the Disney Channel before the movie was released where they <laughs> showed this specific scene. They had showed Roger spitting the water out and revealed that that was done with like a tube sticking out of the sink. Okay. And, uh, so this was, this was one of the few scenes that I had saw before I even saw the movie. It's just kind of a, it was kind of an interesting thing, like seeing this, because I remember being a kid watching this movie and just my suspension of disbelief went so fast in like mm-hmm. the fact that like, okay, these are cartoons. The cartoons are actually interacting with these objects and the knowing how they actually did that were the only times where I re- where it made me realize, oh yeah, this, <laughs> these aren't actually cartoons in the real world. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting like what they choose to make a cartoon and what they choose to be real like in this scene 
I'm like looking at it and all of the guns are real. Specifically yeah, all of the guns. And so there's not a lot of cartoon guns in the movie, I guess, except Eddie's gun. Hmm. And then it's like a real plunger. Um, but like the baseball bat is a cartoon weapon. I think the knives are cartoon weapons. Yeah, the knives are all cartoons. Do you think cartoon weapons have a different effect on a person than real life weapons? Like it hurts less to get hit with a cartoon bat than it would a, a real life bat? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And also, I'm sure in, in this world, seeing a cartoon hold an actual gun is... Off-putting. Off-putting and, and, and intimidating. I always love it. I have to say that in this podcast, I always really love it when we ask some completely like hypothetical weird question that is impossible to know the answer to. And people are like, yes, like they, mm-hmm. you, you guys have such a definitive <laughs> stance on whether or not the tune weapons or the real weapons are hurt worse, um, which, you know, I have plenty of those throughout this, throughout this podcast, mm-hmm. but it just always cracks me up that like, we're, we're convinced we're like, nope, this is, this is the hill I die on. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's cartoon cigarettes in the one weasel's mouth and hat. Mm-hmm. He's, he's loaded up. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. This is, this, is, this is the, I guarantee this wasn't on our first round of this recording, but now, but now I have to ask okay. it, especially because you just pointed out like our, our reality questions that we're going to get definitive <laughs> answers to. So there's one of the weasels and we need to talk about like all the weasels names so we can get that down. But one of them is wearing a straight jacket and has a shaving razor, a cartoon yeah. shaving razor as his weapon, but his yeah. hair's super spiky. Does he use cartoon pomade or real world hair gel? <laughs> <laughs> like how does he, how does he spike his hair? Oh, I, I think that um, he uses nothing because that's just the way he's drawn. Because because they, I mean, that's sort of like a tenant of cartoons, right? Is that they have like a signature look and yeah. they only ever stray from it for comedic reasons, right? right? And right. I, I don't think that they they are able to change their look through like normal real world, world means. When Roger pops out of the water, does he look particularly wet? Great does question. a cartoon get he does not real look water particularly wet? wet. And so, so the level of interaction between cartoon and real world, like they can splash the water, but they don't get wet from the water. I think we have to fall back to the, like the overarching theory that we have about everything, which is the o- o- things will only happen if they're funny. Right. What's funnier? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, any other logic like doesn't there's always something that proves that that's not the case, right? Like if you, right. if you try and treat it as any other kind of logical rule, like it will fall apart pretty quickly. And the only rule that ever just sort of stays consistent is that it will work if it's funny. And if it isn't, it won't. I think maybe there's a little bit of room, like it'll work for the story. Yeah. It, it, like it doesn't have to exclusively be funny. Right. But if it mm-hmm. works for the story, then it's, then it's good to go. It works. It works in service of something being funny. Yeah, it, it, you know, down the line. Being a physicist in this world has got to be just it, your everything's got to be turned upside down because cartoons defy physics so much. They defy gravity. They defy how how 
properties that like how will work with water just everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i don't know i i feel bad because i feel like i'm now challenging like the the premise that you've just operated so i don't want listeners to think that i am in opposition to you guys this is your show <laughs> jessica rabbit's not funny no she's not but, Je- but like she's jessica- the straight man to everyone else around okay. her acting like an idiot. Okay. I guess we can take that. Yeah. Um, because she, her entire existence is to elicit ridiculous reactions from everyone she interacts with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was already thinking about this question and Chris said something and now I have to like explain the connection that happened in my head because I was going <laughs> to say something really terrible. And this is a terrible comment to make. Oh dear! But in agreement with Chris, with what Chris said, Jessica Rabbit does defy gravity. Absolutely, and that's (laughs) she does. (laughs) And Kes just looking at me very, very disappointedly for making that comment. Don't worry; it's been it's been we've discussed it at length. It's yeah. And don't Um, blame Andrew. Blame the uh, blame the cartoonist. mm Hmm. Yeah. So I guess it is like it is. It is always like what makes it the most funny overall i'd say except for when the dip is present right the dip is the anti-comedy and that like like that shoe getting dipped in the dip is is not funny no no not at all (laughs) right i think that that is uh, i think that we're trying to sort of explore the points or we, we as if I, as if I had anything to do with this, um, <laughs> uh, uh, the filmmakers, I think they're really trying to like explore, you know, what, what would it be like if, if tunes and humans like coexisted, they shared a world, you know? And mm-hmm. so um, that is, it's this sort of uh, conjunction, right? It's like this place where those where reality finally like meets a reality that like humans can understand everybody can understand it's like universally understandable that people can die or tunes can die right um so it's just this moment where where you're like oh this is they're they're real you know they they have lives that that Mm -hmm. they can lose because otherwise you know like you watch like tom and jerry or bugs and um whoever and Elmer. Right. And like, there isn't ever really any real consequences cause they kind of just pop back up and da 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 da. So, you know, it's just, it's, it adds some tension and, and weight to the idea that like there is, there is mortality, um, you know, and that's, that's the shared place. Like that's where, that's where tunes and humans meet. Wow. Which, I am articulate yeah. today. Yeah. That, I mean, is, that makes yeah. me think about like Wreck-It Ralph and how like, if you're in your own game, um, you can pop you, you back can up. Can pop back up, but that there's the warning as you're getting into the central station, being like, "Remember, you can't die outside your game because otherwise, you actually die." Yeah. It- mm-hmm. Or like Nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> <laughs> you die in your dreams. Well, you know who does find the shoe getting dipped funny uh, is Psycho the Weasel, who uh, when the shoe does get dipped, he gives a very high-pitched laugh. Um, is, it, is that the one in the straight jacket? Yeah, that's the one in the straight jacket. That's old hair gel himself. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, now because of what you said, like I'm, I'm assuming it's like okay, so tombs can die, but they don't need to do hygiene. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they never need to shower. They never need to do to do anything. They they don't need to brush their teeth. That like their teeth are what they are. And these these weasels' teeth are very yellow. They're pretty bad. It's the secondhand smoke, probably. Yeah. Um. Something that like. You know, we talked a little bit about the practical effects in this, but the the thing that always gets me is the the shadows and the lighting, mm. you know, and there's a couple of other scenes where we talk about the shadows quite a bit. But this one really is like this minute is has just a lot of really, really incredible um, shadows that the tunes are casting and not just the props, but like everything. So, you know, regardless of how they pushed the gun into eddie's face or you know any of that other stuff like mm-hmm. they somehow added real shadows that are in the shapes of the tunes and they're dynamic and they move and like it's that to me is just like one level over my mind already being blown <laughs> that like, i can't process it <laughs> i've got to assume the shadows are added after the fact with the tunes right they they're to me like they this is so not good. cj they, they i think they're real shadows like i don't really know how else you would do it and make them look this good. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, mean, I don't think Marvel so has shadows that are CGI'd this well. You know, no, I think I, they're I, real. Ah, maybe, maybe they're real some of the time, and then sometimes not. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm gonna try and like focus in and watch really slowly on one sequence where there's shadows to see if I can spot it. But then that reminds me, it's also the shadows being cast onto the tunes, right? So the tunes are yeah. like in the lighting. Mm-hmm. And so they will be in shadow or in light, you know, directly right. during the scene too. And so their shadows cast by the tunes and onto the tunes. Yeah. And a little bit of a spoiler, but there is going to be a future minute that um, Fables Us will talk about where their shadow uh, is a big hassle to the crew. <laughs> I wonder how many people quit the business after making this movie. <laughs> Probably something like if this was your first movie and you're like, this is this is how hard filmmaking is. Uh, I don't know. This is not what I signed up for, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, also, um, like what what jobs did people have that then put them in a position to make this movie? Right. Because it's such a weird mix. And this is something we talk about with with animated movies all the time is making an animated movie is is essentially completely different from making a live action movie right like they don't have to have a final script like a shooting script like a filming script like that doesn't necessarily exist for animated movies they can basically define the script after animation's done after recording's done after they had several done they had several of those where they they added in dialogue after everything was all done Mm -hmm. and they had to like secretly add it in where the character's not actually on screen speaking and so like yeah getting animators involved with this is like oh this is a very different dynamic and they're they are like pretty locked into like what bob hoskins has chosen to act against Mm -hmm. and they've got to make it fit and so it's like a a very different kind of animation skill yeah and also for this one they probably i mean they definitely had to do um the animation after filming so that they mm-hmm. knew 
like how they were going to react to Bob Hoskins and, and everything. And whereas in animation, they're going along, they're animating as they're, as they're recording and mm-hmm. as they're doing everything, everything's going on all at once. And and like modern movies, when they do the CGI and everything, there's, I mean, there's always discussion about how they can like fix someone's eye line, mm-hmm. right? But they were not like they couldn't CGI Bob Hoskins' eye line to be looking, you know, three feet lower in this. So they mm-hmm. really are stuck with with what's on the film in this case, right? There's no CGI element going into it, right? You know, as our resident. Bob Hoskins super fan. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. He's he's so good. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they shot it with like four different eyelines, right? And then picked one that worked best. I just wouldn't because mm-hmm. like he's I think he's that um, like technical about it, right? Like that he could he's he's fully like capable of delivering it in a bunch of different ways. So I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they mm-hmm. if they shot a few different um for any of these like really complicated scenes. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if they shot it with a few different angles or whatever and then uh worked with animators to figure out which one worked best. Say, okay, now now Bob, can you put the soap three inches to the left and two inches <laughs> lower down this time? <laughs> We did not watch the the Rescue Rangers movie, the Chip and Dale oh. movie that people compared pretty heavily to Roger Rabbit. Yeah, um, that's not a fair comparison. I I kind of didn't want to because I'm like, I've just recorded with Roger Rabbit Minute and I think Roger Rabbit's kind of a perfect movie as is. And I like, I think anyone who, my assumption was anyone who was doing that comparison probably hadn't watched roger rabbit recently enough no because absolutely this is you know kind of flawless in a lot of these areas i'm like there's no way this this chippendale cgi joke fest is gonna yeah but also is gonna do this right also whenever we watched like the trailers we we're just like this we're also not like rescue rangers era people like i did not watch a lot of rescue rangers and so it wasn't like a nostalgia kick for me same I I did watch Rescue Rangers. I probably still know all the words to the theme song. Um, and I watched the new movie and it I actually don't think it's that nostalgic. It's kind of a it has that same like cash grab vibe where they just like jam a bunch of celebrities into it and a bunch of like references that are like Sure, they are of things that you would be nostalgic for, but they're really passing and superficial, so it's just not particularly interesting. Um, it also like has a stupid story, so it's just like, yeah, I, that's a to me like there was no part of me that at any moment thought that it should be compared to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you know, even mm-hmm. before I saw it, and then I saw it and I was like, yes, confirmed, this is a kids movie that was released straight to streaming like yeah it's fine the trailers i remember a lot of the jokes are like you know making fun of things like making fun of you know the transition in in like digital animation technology Mm -hmm. and some of the cgi doesn't look as good and other stuff like that and i feel like in roger rabbit like the jokes are never making fun of animation or filmmaking or hollywood it's just kind of like look, we're doing noir stuff set in Hollywood. So there's going to be jokes about Hollywood, but we're not making a joke by making fun of Hollywood. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a difference to that. Like 
um, when I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like exactly what I, what I mean in Roger Rabbit, where they, they would make a joke at the detriment of something in, in the modern movie. And then in Roger Rabbit, it's like, Oh, uh, like, like a uh, Betty Boop, right. They make a joke about how she's like black and white she's old and outdated, but it's like, Oh yeah. Like times do change. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of a, a, like a wistful moment. It's not like, yeah, I'm outdated. So I work as a waitress now. Right. I, I think that the, how I view it, 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 and this is like an interesting thing to bring up, Andrew, is that like the movie is not, it's not a comedy. It's not satire. It, it is a film noir mystery that just happens to exist in a reality where tunes interact with people right so like Mm -hmm. there's funny Mm -hmm. things because tunes are funny and that's their reality but the movie itself is not funny it's not poking fun at anything it's not a joke about it's not a satire of film noir it's not a it's not a parody of film noir it is a film noir mystery where like there is some funny stuff in it right like eddie Mm -hmm. is very like archetypal you know film noir detective um like it just happens to be that a lot of the main players are, you know, sort of slapstick goofballs because they're they're tunes. So to me, it's like it's taken everything is taken quite seriously. Um, it just happens to it would be like if you were uh, doing a film noir movie that was, you know, about the stand up comedian scene. Like there would be a lot of jokes in it, right? And the characters would be mm-hmm. funny, but like the plot and the it's not a parody, right? And I think I think like that's the difference. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people will like think of the movie as it's a cartoon movie that has a film noir, but I really think it's the opposite. I feel like it's like someone was like, "Hey, what if we made a movie like Chinatown, but it's an alternate dimension where cartoon characters exist alongside?" Yeah, but it, but it's Two Town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I totally agree. I, that probably I think you guys have like nailed something down in 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 my head where like it probably works better because it's film noir and because eddie is is a human Mm -hmm. in in this setting and everything and he's doing this interaction because that's like in film noir it's really common for the detective to be like interacting in a different world than their default yes right like Mm -hmm. they are stepping into an arena where they have expertise and they have, you know, credentials to do all this stuff, but they are meeting all of these people for the first time. And they are interacting with, you know, this different set of people. And it might be like high class people at fancy parties, or it might be walking into a casino. And in this case, instead of a casino, it's cartoon stuff. Right. Right. It's like, um, it's like Veronica Mars. Is it? I've, I've not. Yeah. Oh, you, have you not watched? Have you not watched Veronica Mars? Veronica Mars is excellent. It's it's you it's absolutely noir, right. Yeah. It's 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 um it's a fi- film noir TV show. Like it's 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 structured the same. It has the same like vibe and everything, except it's about a high school girl who's a detective. Like her dad is a PI, and um you know so there's real mysteries, but there's also like she does like high school mysteries but it's it's very very good are there any tunes in veronica mars <laughs> <laughs> there are no there are no tunes there not even no that tunes. one episode <laughs> no but there is a character named logan eccles who i will just forever love for <laughs> not sane reasons 
um, or a puka shell necklace. That so, that, so you know, that's that's that. But but it was the time. <laughs> it was the time. It's, I you know, here's the embarrassing here's the embarrassing part, Andrew. I didn't watch it when it was on. I watched it in my thirties. <laughs> <laughs> and you still felt that way. Absolutely, this <laughs> is nostalgia to it. Um, can we break down each of these weasels a little bit? Oh, please, yes. by all means. Okay, so the what it was Psycho is in the straight jacket with the shaving razor. Yeah, Psycho, Psycho in the straight jacket with the uh, shaving razor. Uh, not the most politically correct name. No, no, not super no. sensitive. No, um, but it might get worse. <laughs> Okay, so so who else do we have? The so there's a a, a pink suit, right? With a gun, the, the head weasel. Uh, he's smartass. Okay, no pants, watch chain, pink suit, pink tie, diamond tie pin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Um... So the green suit, he is wearing pants, and boy, is he right. wearing them. <laughs> they like they are. <laughs> I think high, they're high wearing. Wasted. I think they are wearing him, mm-hmm. not. He is not wearing <laughs> not the other I way around. They are wearing him. Right? His his tie is tucked into his waistband. Green hat, green suit, green shoes. What's what's his name? So that one is Greasy. Greasy, and yeah. he's got a cartoon dagger, like a like yeah. a proper knife. Yeah, he does. He's got he's got a little dagger. His pants do make the others look more naked by comparison. This is true. That's fair. You can't have, like, all of them have got to go with pants or none of them. You know, it's, it's, you can't have one of them wearing it. Mm-hmm. And, like, Psycho, like, his straight jacket's kind of long. And so it's like, okay, I guess. And the one with the baseball bat isn't wearing pants. And neither is the one with the, the Tommy gun and the cigarettes. I For a second, I was picturing him having had pants. But no, he's just got a white shirt dangling out there. Um so yeah. so that, that's names? the that's the other two right so we well, well what what was the green one's name greasy 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 smart ass and psycho, and psycho. In the, um video game he was wise guy because i guess they did not want to say ass in that you know that's fair and the other two the one who smokes a lot is wheezy mm-hmm. okay okay yeah that tracks tracks <laughs> was that the one... self-fulfilling or <laughs> is that a nickname after the fact yeah, it's I, it really goes along with the whole the whole dwarf thing. Um, yeah, I was about to say it sounds it's like kind the of dwarfs. kind of a seven dwarfs thing. I don't was Wheezy one of the not selected I seven so. dwarfs names. I think so. there was like thirty names for the a dwarfs. Hundred, hundred. Well, there was like thirty like real considerations for the on the short names. list. Yeah, um, I was trying to remember if Wheezy. I'm pretty sure Greasy was not. And smartass probably... definitely wasn't. And Walt definitely. Disney had to trick the animators and to, it, to go to Dopey. Dopey. Yeah, well, I think they re- was originally supposed to be seven weasels too. Well, we'll we'll get oh. to the, the two the two deleted weasels. Okay. Okay. So we've got Wheezy now, and and with the baseball bat and the the propeller hat. Which what is that hat? What is the origin of that hat? Why is it a thing? Oh, it's been around forever. I know. know. It's in, like, everything, but, like... Wasn't it from, like, Little Rascals or something? Yeah, was that that cool at some time, and then later became not cool? I can't imagine it not... 
like ever being cool because it, it just seems like a little dorky thing. Um, what is the hat with a propeller called? A propeller beanie. Okay. Uh, okay, hang on. Um, so my my basic internet oh man oh man i I look down at the like additional questions that people ask and only three down from the top was do propeller hats fly um (laughs) no 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 no. (laughs) um the propeller beanie increased in popularity use through comics and eventually made its way onto the character of beanie boy of beanie and cecil which has not increased my understanding of nope. where this came from. This is not creating a Does sense Does that have a, of, a year uh, attached to it? Not not where I've seen so far. Um, all right. Science fiction writer Ray Faraday Nelson is said to have created the propeller beanie in 1947 at a small science fiction convention That's in Michigan. Much older oh. than I thought. Wow. Uh, that Which was much year. sooner than I thought. I'm not saying that year this movie takes place. So, like, uh, Stupid, who, who is this weasel, and was really on the cutting edge of that hat's popularity. He, he, he's traveling to uh, to science fiction conventions in, in Michigan, I guess. Sorry, you said his name was Stupid? Yeah, his name is okay. Stupid. Just wanted um, to make sure who... I, I heard that clearly. <laughs> not, not who you would think would be going to science fiction uh, events. No, no. Yeah. So, wait, is this like an, is this a, is this a, a blooper? Like, because, uh, like that, that hat wasn't invented until 1947? Theoretically. Um, Not invented until 1947? Yeah. And the movie is what, set in what year? 1947. Okay, so stupid was it just on the cutting edge of of obscure <laughs> science fiction or, fashion, yeah. or maybe he stole it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The animator might have stolen. He might have seen stupid wear the hat. Like stupid might have uh, roughed him up a little bit, and he was like, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna steal his hat. I'm gonna steal your hat, and then we're gonna make every every Google employee wear it in the year 2000." <laughs> um. Yeah. I just. I this has not helped me understand no. like what is going on with that hat and why no. did it become like a thing for obnoxious kids? Yeah. In in cartoons and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. This... Also, it feels weirdly associated with striped shirts. And I know that's what we have right here on the screen, but it like something about a striped t shirt yeah. and that and that propeller hat really comes together. Well, he might be stupid, but he's definitely fashionable. Mm-hmm. And he's got a baseball bat with with a nail driven through it, a curved nail for some reason. Yeah, that sounds very painful. Yeah, it's not good. Do they have tetanus shots in 1947? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. And would it be a different type of tetanus shot for a cartoon nail? Oh man, great question. Can you get a cartoon infection? Absolutely. I hope not. <laughs> Absolutely. They're, and then when they look at it in the microscope, it's like little cartoon germs. Yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. definitely, definitely exists. <laughs> well, definitely then, happens. 
This is yeah. this is my this is my stance. This is the hill I die on. <laughs> Do humans prefer cartoon cigarettes? Do you get a better? I don't know. It's not you know a high or a buzz off of a cigarette. A better. I don't know. What, what's I'm it not. Called? A, I'm not a smoker, but I would try one. Yeah, oh yeah a, a cartoon cigarette. Absolutely. I'm not going to pass up that opportunity. When. What is it baby baby Herman? Mm-hmm. When yeah. he's smoking, is he smoking a cartoon cigar? Yes, I think he's is is he smoking a cartoon one? I'm pretty sure. I think, I think it is. It's it's quite a ways back. Yeah, I picture it as being a cartoon cigar. Yeah, I do too. I'm looking at a picture of baby Herman right now holding a cigar. It's a little bit. It does look like a real cigar. Huh. Hmm. Is that? higher class or cheaper yeah it might be might be uh where, where do bit... all the cartoon cigars come from right are there are there cartoon tobacco leaves that they're rolling into cartoon cigars <laughs> it, it might be drawn along with the character like wheezy oh. if his whole characteristic is smoking he was drawn with it and maybe since mm-hmm. baby herman's supposed to be an innocent baby he could not be drawn with the cigar, so he had to go and buy his own. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, or or send a woman that he has hired to push him around to go buy a cigar. <laughs> yeah, much more accurate. Um, what were the what were the two weasels that didn't make the cut? So the two weasels that did not make the cut. These I'm gonna guess were not potential names for the seven dwarves either, because their names were Slimy and Flasher. Gosh. Oh. Uh, I'm really uh, sad we missed out on Flasher. <laughs> Are you yeah. sure? Uh, definitely. Sorry about that? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh there's not enough stuff in this movie that we we get to look back and be critical of, you know? <laughs> uh it's aged too well. And it's, that's it's, that's that, a real problem. <laughs> It's yeah, they just do well. It holds up too well, and you know, a little flasher would have it would have added some spice to to these conversations. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, do they have anything like attached to them, like any characteristics? Well, I or... have some assumptions uh, <laughs> about one of I them. I was I was mostly thinking about slimy because slimy seems like it's too similar to greasy. Hmm. There's one. There's one of flasher where he's in a trench coat. And he's reaching forward uh, and leering with drool coming from his mouth. Oh, um, every bit as creepy as it sounds. Yeah, that's gross. Slimy just looks like uh, he has slime coming out from him, much like Slimer from Ghostbusters. Ew. Gross. Like no he's thanks. kind of stuck to the floor in his own slime. No, nah. Ew. You know what I... like? <laughs> What worries me about that is that they cut him not because it was gross, but just because it sounds really technically difficult to manage. <laughs> yeah. Not because it was a bad Fair. idea. Um, I found a few of the, the names that were rejected for Seven Dwarfs. This is, this is a small selection, right? Um, but some of the rejected names include Jumpy, Deffy, Dizzy, Hickey, Wheezy. So Wheezy was in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baldy, Gabby, Nifty, Sniffy, Swift, 
lazy, puffy, stuffy, tubby, shorty, and burpy. <laughs> Some of them I'm really curious about how they would have uh, brought that to screen. And remember, that was the 1930s that they were coming up with those names, too. So perhaps a slightly different connotation of of some of them. Um, Okay, I found I found on the Disney fandom wiki. A longer list. So are we ready for the longer list? Oh, absolutely. Silly, sappy, scrappy, snappy, snoopy, goopy, gloomy, gaspy, gabby, blabby, flabby crabby cranky lazy dizzy dippy dumpy dirty deffy daffy doleful what does doleful mean i don't know uh woeful wistful soulful helpful awful graceful tearful tubby weepy wheezy sneezy wheezy uh sniffy puffy stuffy strutty (laughs) i don't know what to think of that one um shorty shifty thrifty nifty nerdsy Hotsy. Don't know okay. about that one either. Uh hungry, hickey hoppy, jumpy, jaunty, chesty, uh, busy, burpy, baldy, biggie wiggy, and big o ego. Along with <laughs> doc, happy, bashful, sleepy, sneezy, grumpy, and dopey. Yeah, those are the ones that made it. <laughs> um, and some of these had like brief uh brief explanations. Mm-hmm. Like jumpy was supposedly gonna be always always twitchy. I like that they had a wide variety of bodily functions to choose from, and they went with sneezy. Mm-hmm. It yeah. feels mm-hmm. like the safest bet, but uh, but I like that they threw all the rest of them out there just to see which <laughs> one worked best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really a, a no idea is a bad idea sort of brainstorming, it sounds like. Well, you got to start, you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially when... In all other forms of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the the dwarfs are never named, mm-hmm. and so they they had to be like, okay, well, we need something. Yeah, and they were like, we're we're not going to name them like Tom and uh, we're not going like to name them no- like names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very descriptive of personalities. Nice. I do like to think well, that Hotsey would be the very attractive dwarf. Hotsey was the Jessica Rabbit of the dwarves. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't Jessie? <laughs> That's true. You never. I mean, I, like maybe I, those were the, maybe those were names for the same dwarf. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to go back to find like a 1930s dictionary. I'm like, what? What does Hotsey mean? What back do they then? mean by Hotsey or Chesty in the 1930s? Or yeah, well, I, the guess, 20s? I think I think Chesty meant Chesty. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's always been the same. I think so. Yeah. But Call you still crazy. think it was a male dwarf? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Biggie Wiggy, I'd be really curious too. To, I think he uh, just has he just has really beefy pecs. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Gaston of dwarfs. Absolutely. Yeah. Um I I fear that I have led us astray from the minute. <laughs> I, I think it took you it took us exactly where we wanted to go because <laughs> this minute does establish the 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 fear of dying laughing yeah which is a really great way of just bringing it into really foreshadowing for later on in this movie mm-hmm. I, I love a good foreshadowing especially when it's like fairly slick yeah and this one um, feels like a pretty slick one 
It really is. Like, uh, Robert Zemeckis was great at putting those slick things in at this time, right after Back to the Future, which is kind of has so many of those in, in it. This mm-hmm. one, too, like this, along with like the disappearing ink and all the other things that they put in that just come together at the end are just really well done, really hard to guess that this is going to be a thing later on. Yeah. Just. Chris, when you're when you're working with the editing team later, just please make sure you add spoiler tags. This is you know, oh, really yeah, important. yeah. Sorry, um, <laughs> please. Then maybe please. Come. I'm glad, Nish. If you're listening, stop. We can't. We can't. <laughs> we we can't talk about how much integrity we have and then just ruin the movie for thousands of <laughs> listeners. <laughs> have you guys? What is? What's the last time that you had like a massive laughing fit and just couldn't stop? Oh, I do that all the time. Uh, no, I mean, ser- I mean seriously. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. dead serious. That's great. Yeah, I'll do that on stage sometimes. Like, I'll, like, laugh. Like, someone will make me break, and then I'm, like, I was going to sure. wonder, like, is it different for you guys being, like, comedians, comedians and performers that are making people laugh, and you're supposed to, like, handle it? Yeah, I think so. so like, sometimes, like, I think there's nothing that makes me laugh more than having the limitation that I can't laugh at a given time. And then I start. (laughs) I am, I am pretty good at not breaking if I'm the one being the funny person, right? Like I can maintain a character if other people are laughing at me. I'm, it's not quite as good when someone else is being the, like if I'm trying to be the straight man, sometimes I, uh, Sometimes I'll break, but I, I don't laugh as hard on stage and stuff. Cause I, I have a job to do and I take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but in real life, like I will lose my mind and, and hurt my injure myself laughing on a pretty regular <laughs> basis. Cause what's, I mean, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll like, I'll get something going for Kestra that she starts laughing and then I'll like keep it up. And she's like, crying and she's like stop it stop it stop it Um, there was a long time for for the last several months when like we didn't like we we'd laugh but like we wouldn't have like a laughing fit and then it was just recently that i can't remember what it was i remember what but you made me laugh so hard that my stomach started hurting and i was having a hard time breathing i'm like the baby baby? (laughs) um no the the hardest i think i've laughed was like last night two nights ago it was really recent we were watching a youtube video about it was it was the like the screen rant pitch meeting youtube series (laughs) and they did one about harry potter that was last night was was it last night and they did one about we were not oh yeah watching anything yeah we were out of town two nights ago um and i paused it to like say a joke (laughs) but then the, the time that i paused it was a shot from the movie. Have you guys seen the last Harry Potter movie? Yeah, of course. Okay, so n- not going to spoil it. But there's a moment, <laughs> which is like a weird moment in the movie during like the final confrontation where Harry like grabs Voldemort and then like leans them off a tower. But the moment that I paused it, it's Harry grabbing and like pulling Voldemort in and Voldemort's face, it, like his mouth is open as he's coming in and it looks like they're about to smooch. And it was, and it it was like the most us. perfect moment to pause it, but we just were where it really weird. looked like Harry was pulling Voldemort it in. Looked for like a they kiss. were about to make out. 
<laughs> I was like, what in the world is this? And we were already like primed because we're watching funny YouTube videos. And and so we just like stared at each other and laughed for like five minutes. <laughs> what a change that would be for the movie if like the director was just like, you know what? Harry and Goldermont, I know they're really in love with each other. <laughs> I'd well, like to see that spinoff. It, I'm sure you can find some fan fiction. Yes. Archive. No, what, no, what, I'm not doing that. I'm not own. doing that. I'm not searching that. Rule 34. Don't blame you. Um, but like, I remember feeling like it's a weird moment in the movie anyway, because Harry's like grabbing him and like dragging him off the tower. I'm like, Harry, you don't have a plan here. Yeah. And so it seemed like, you know, almost equivalently random as the moment in the movie. If you yeah. went like grab smooch. <laughs> if only we had yeah. a comparison in a film that we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> where <laughs> There's some random finale moments. Maybe if well, I could I... just confuse people enough. Okay. So I, I will say, uh, cause sometimes I forget and this is a cursed minute. So I'm going to get it out there. <laughs> um, the MVP, my MVP for this minute is it's the bar of soap because it really mm. moves a lot of things forward and gives us some really great moments. You know, Eddie takes the bar of soap. He sort of threatens him with it. Then he jams it in his mouth. Uh, I can't remember. Remark. Is it greasy? Which one is that? Which which was the pink weasel? Uh, it, it's smart ass. Smart ass. Sorry. So he, he jams it in smart ass's mouth. He, he falls back and he knocks some stuff over. Then he starts in with the bubbles. And that's a, that's a great moment. Right. Then mm-hmm. he he messes up his speech with it. Then he shoots it back at one of the other ones who flies into the window. So like the the, the bar of soap is doing a lot of work in this minute, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it I think it deserves its due. No, I think that's totally fair. Yep. Cool. Anything else for this minute? I think I think we're good. All right. Wait. 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 I came up with with one more thing. And this is oh. back to like the very beginning where we're talking about the phenomenal interaction of cartoon stuff with live action stuff. If you've got the minute pulled up, right. Mm-hmm. And you jump to about second 50, this might be the most complicated interaction that we, that we have to deal with. Right. Cause smart ass jumps on a chair, slides it forward and then reaches back behind himself to pull out the gun. Where? was that real physical prop gun as this scene is happening. So, so like 49 seconds in, right. And he reaches back up and he pulls up the gun and he gestures with it. And then he puts it back away. Film magic. And then he splashes the water. And the water splashing is pretty, is pretty cool too. Yeah, no pockets down there. I mean, he's one of the pantsless weasels, so it's not going into a pocket. And so is it just hiding behind the chair until he grabs it? And then they, like, lift it up? But I don't know how that could be, because the camera moves leading up to that. The camera, like, follows him up the stairs. The camera backs up. Then he moves the chair. Then he grabs the gun. Then he puts the gun away. And then he splashes the water. So, like, who's doing all that prop work and moving the chair? And, and man. Yeah. This movie's impossible. Hurt. This movie's impossible. They, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they made this movie. <laughs> I don't think they could have. 
I I think that you are right, Andrew, and like this is an incredible like uh, you know, effect here. Um the thing I can't get over uh and I'm sure we talked about it in the previous minute and but it's going to stay with me. It's haunting is this water is disgusting. This water has both <laughs> Eddie's know. dishes and we already saw him pull a sock out of it and mm-hmm. Rob Rogers inside of it. And we don't Plus, know where Rogers been. Soap and, and possibly detergent? Yeah, this 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 water is foul. Mm-hmm. And um and Eddie's, you know, elbow deep in it and then smartass uh, splashes him and it doesn't even phase Eddie. And the the fact that that Eddie is essentially immune to to trash sewer water uh is really upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he cleans his clothes in this that he that he plans on wearing. So there is actual dishes in the sink at this moment. <laughs> he eats off things that are in uh, the same thing as his underwear and a rabbit. <laughs> but the soap. <laughs> what soap makes what kind it of all soap? okay? What kind of soap is that, Andrew? What kind of soap? <laughs> it looks like a bar of hand soap. But but then but then we have. Uh, Right next to it, and this is a kind of a troubling name <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. some for some laundry soap, but it's called White King. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I don't think is a a prop soap that you would have today. No, no. <laughs> Does he use this sink for developing film too? Oh gosh, absolutely. So there's even more chemicals down there. Yeah, yeah. I'll die on the hill that he definitely does that too. after knowing this bar of soap was in that sink i feel bad for both roger and smartass for getting that soap in his mouth Mm -hmm. yeah you know that that bar of soap was doing a lot of work but it wasn't working hard enough at cleaning everything in there (laughs) that's what it wasn't doing it it couldn't possibly have (laughs) it gave up rightfully that is it for today We are a Dueling Genre podcast. You can check out all their podcasts on DuelingGenre.com. Also on DuelingGenre.com is the podcast of our guests. So where can people find you at? Yeah, Disney Animation Minute Essentials is our primary podcast. And I'm also the producer on the Protagonist podcast. Both of those are hosted through Dueling Genre. Thank you so much for being on again for this minute. And uh, we'll get a time travel back to when we recorded Minute 44, which did record, when we are back on Wednesday for Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs>